0: Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets, sports, and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. This is our first episode of the 2022 season. Do you feel that fresh start? The warm weather? You know, the sun's coming out, the snow is melted. The New York Jets are looking at 2022 with very hopeful and promising eyes as Joe Douglas has positioned the Jets financially and through the draft to be able to make some big moves and make this team better. I'm excited to talk about this season upcoming to purge myself from last season, which, don't get me wrong, it was a good season. The Jets had a great draft class. One of their best in a long time. I know the season itself. Yeah, the record sucked. They weren't competitive in a bunch of games. They did beat up on the soon-to-be Super Bowl contender, Cincinnati Bengals. They did beat the Titans, who ended up with the best record in the AFC. But still, it wasn't a competitive season. But the Jets found Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Michael Carter two, Brandon Echols, Zach Wilson, the quarterback is you know to be determined. But when you look at that group and you combine in some other guys, you know, maybe a Hamsa, a Sherwood, Pinnock, Jonathan Marshall, who all still have potential, some undrafted free agents from last year also, it's just a really good draft class. And that's what Joe really needed to kind of springboard this whole thing because it all starts through the draft. But you don't know what you're going to You don't want to invest a bunch of assets and think that you have holes plugged with rookies that haven't actually done anything yet or aren't any good. You kind of need that first Base layer made of young, cheap players to figure out what holes you have filled. Because you don't know if it's going to be Sherwood or Eccles or Hamsa or Pinnock who's really going to surprise you and be the guy that's like, boom, next year we can go in with that guy. You're not sure. You have an idea. But all these players are drafted with the intention of like, hey, this guy could fit right into our team. And they're not all going to do it. So you wait until you hit on a big draft class. And now it's like, all right, we've got our base layer established. We've got six starters, seven starters, you know, from the draft before as well. They're kind of. locked in there or competing for spots. And now we can start to use the money to go after the other holes and then future drafts, we can get the rest of the players that way. I think Joe Douglas's plan is starting to work. It's a lot of fun for the Jets as we try to get back into relevancy, even though the AFC is becoming more and more stacked as we speak and it's going to be tougher and tougher to make the playoffs. The real route right now is you look at these teams all throughout the AFC that are like, well, that could be a playoff team for sure. So could that, so could that. The real way is to go through the division, honestly, right now, when you look at the Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots, and the Buffalo Bills, it's one of the weaker divisions in the league. The Bills are a very good team, but I don't think there's any reason to think that they can't be dethroned. Even Tom Brady didn't win it every single year, basically every single year, but still you were able to compete in there. This is a step down from what the Patriots had. This is not a dynasty like that at this point in time. So we need to make sure that we stop them before they get there. All sorts of good stuff coming, but, you know, through the division... That's the way. Beat the NFC teams, beat the AFC East teams. Maybe you can get a shot at the playoffs. But the Jets have a long way to go before they get there. And it went through the free agent period. It went through the draft. And I'm going to talk about all that. Before I do, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, anywhere podcasts are found. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan, where sometimes I post a lot, other times not so much. But that is the tough part of this episode, the beginning, shaking the rust off. Now we can talk New York Jets and what the heck is going on. So let's talk. Quick free agency update with the Jets. They came into this thing with, like, the fourth, fifth most cap space in the NFL. Right, They had the least dead cap in the league at $1.5 million, which is a great thing to see from Joe Douglas, who at one point, you know, we had Le'Veon Bells, Quincy Anunas, Trumaine Johnson, all sorts of people hurting the team, taking cap space away and not even playing. The Jets right now at $1.5 million, the least dead cap in the league. It tells you something. It tells you that the Jets aren't giving out bad contracts. They don't find themselves needing to purge themselves and cut guys who are still under contract because, hey, we'd be better off not having the guy we gave a lot of money to than having him on the roster. No real serious injuries for these guys. You know, sometimes that's the case for a guy like Quincy Inunua, who unfortunately had dead cap due to that. Or it just means that Joe Douglas doesn't want to cut the guys that he signed. But that really isn't the case. He's done a really good job of making sure that the fat has been trimmed from this team. Young guys, guys that want to be here, guys that give a shit every single day, team leaders, all that stuff. He's building a good culture. He's giving out good contracts. He's making people earn it. And the Jets right now, this may shock you. The Jets have the most players signed to their team at 78 players. That's the most in the league. Most teams have mid-50s to high-60s. 78 is the most in the entire NFL of players' side. Now, the Jets aren't going to go into the season With 78 signed players, they're going to go in a 53 practice squad and all that. But 78 guys who at least are going to be with the Jets in training camp until we cut them. A lot of these guys are not guaranteed any money. It's all, you know, whether or not they make the final roster, that's when the actual money gets guaranteed to them. So for a guy like, you know, a Nathan Shepard, or a Greg Van Roten, and then a bunch of people below that, like an Elijah Riley or a Will Parks or something from last year. Those guys are all going to be back in training camp, back on the preseason roster, and they're going to have a chance to compete for a spot. If they make the team, they'll get the contract they were you know, told they'd have. If they don't make the team, they won't get anything. So we do have 78 guys. Joe Douglas has done a good job kind of building his farm and making sure that the people here are competitive, they want to be here, and you can really feel that through Joe Douglas and the team he's building. So I love what I see there. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into the actual players and the signings and whatnot is just the difference between a contract and the guaranteed money in that contract. A lot of times, like a real lot of times, we see these contracts that are huge. i use a Bond Miller as the example. A six-year, $120 million deal. It sounds ridiculous. You hear that number, $120 million, six years. Are they going to be paying this guy until he's almost 40? No, absolutely not. What's in there is basically two years of a guaranteed deal, potentially three years if they want to go that route, at like $18 million a year. And the rest of the stuff is just fluff. The way they should you know, phrase these in an NBA term would be more like it's a contract for the player and then a team option for the following years. And I think in this case, Von Miller, for whatever reason, he just wanted to have a huge number, like a, a jarring number. People would say, whoa, $120 million, six years. I promise you, there is no chance that he plays six years under that contract. And I promise you that the Bills don't intend to pay him through those years. And they know that after two, three, four years, whatever they're gonna be moving on and they will lose absolutely nothing for it. It's just a dummy number there. I think at one point Darrell Rivas signed like you know, a big number for cornerbacks was like twenty million dollars, and he wanted that big twenty million number. He didn't want nineteen. So what they did was they gave him like eight million dollars the first year and then $12 million in the second year, but only the first year was guaranteed. So he got a $20 million contract, but they only paid him for the first year, and they were never planning on paying him the second one. I don't know the exact numbers, but it was something like that, and you knew that he was just trying to get a deal that looked good, even though we all knew he was never actually going to make that money. So just keep in mind, the only thing that really matters is the number of guaranteed dollars and how many years that would put you through if you got paid X amount for each year. All right, how many years does it take us before all that guaranteed money is done? Because that's the stuff that when you cut a player, you actually still have to pay. That's what your dead cap is. So, you know, don't get too uh, alarmed. Of course, if you see a Deshaun Watson contract that is fully guaranteed at the number like that, then you're like, okay, holy shit, this is ridiculous. But luckily the Jets haven't given anything like that out. First thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about the departures because there's a few guys that were on the team last year and a few years before that that will no longer be New York Jets moving forward we're going to start with one, Marcus May. Marcus May has signed to the New Orleans Saints a three-year deal for $28.5 million, right? but only $15 million of that is guaranteed. So he's probably going to be there for two years, and if they really want to keep him for that third year, they can. Now, Marcus May was a great teammate, super professional, a guy that we really liked. It was kind of a weird draft because the Jets drafted Jamal Adams and then Marcus May, and it was like, all right, they're really investing in their safety group. And then Marcus May was really good early, and a lot of people were in the camp of like, Marcus May may be better than Jamal Adams. And then Jamal Adams became a star. Marcus May got injured. We weren't sure if May would ever be able to really play again. He came back. He was healthy, and we were like, all right, there we go. May is back finally playing good football. We tagged him. He got hurt, tore his Achilles out for the year. It's been an up-and-down story of this guy, but he was nothing but professional and nothing other than a good player when he was on the field for the Jets. We were happy to have him here. I love drafting him. He ended up being one of those success stories through the draft. The Jets haven't had a ton of those in the past 10, 15 years, he was one of them. And the contract that he just got from the saints shows that 28.5 million dollars, you know, $15, $15 million guaranteed coming off an Achilles at the age that he's at. He was a little bit older when the jets drafted him. So at this point he's coming up on 30, but he got paid super happy for him. glad that he's going somewhere that appreciates him. And you know, injuries were the only issues with him, honestly. So And age, I guess, just being a little bit older. We were kind of like at the point when it was, well, by the time he gets healthy, he's going to be older. Is he really a guy that's trending up? The Jets are working right now on building an ascending team. He didn't really fit the mold there, but he got his deal, so good for him. Jameson Crowder, he's another guy that was a good Jet. He spent three years with us after being with the, at the time it was the Washington Redskins and it was the football team, but he played for the Jets for the last three years. He had 188 receptions, almost 2,000 yards receiving, 14 touchdowns, and, you know, his first year with Sam Darnold was the best. He had a really, really good season, almost 1,000 yards. One of the better Jet seasons we've seen receiving since the Eric Decker-Brandon Marshall season. But the Bills give him a, a one-year contract, $4 million, a lot of incentives in there, which is a very low deal for a guy like that. But I think that he just wants to go to a team where he can contend, a team that's kind of built around his strengths, He's going to step right into that spot that Cole Beasley was in for the Bills last year. He's going to be really good there. He probably will hit those incentives, and he'll be back on the open market next year after he has what I expect will be you know, a solid season with the Bills. This is not his last contract. It's just a bet on himself thing because I don't think the market was really high on Jamison Crowder. I think it's kind of a bummer, too, because he's a good player. He's a security blanket. He's always there. I know he's not super tough, not super fast, not flashy, not big. But he shows up on game day, he finds a way to see the soft spots in the zones, catches the ball, scores touchdowns. You know, he's productive, and he finds production. So Jameson Crowder was a great Jet. Those three years were awesome. But we'll be moving on as we have some other pieces and players that'll be in that spot next year. And you got Morgan Moses, and Morgan Moses was only here for one year. But what a signing that was. Because Joe Douglas made that in the offseason when we were like, all right, we have Makai Becton. We don't know if he'll be fully healthy, but we hope he will be. George Fant was kind of like, eh, at right tackle last year. Everyone kind of wanted the Jets to bring in Morgan Moses just to compete and to have another guy so we wouldn't be stuck with an injured Beckton and then be it like an Adoga or McDermott. And we didn't want to have to see George Fant struggle if that was the case back on the right side where he wasn't awesome the year before. The Jets bring in Morgan Moses. It ended up being like the signing of the year because Makai Becton didn't play really anything last year. Morgan Moses started at right tackle all year. George Fant got pushed to left tackle where he flourished and had the best season with the Jets he's had, so everything worked out great through that deal, but it was just at the time a one-year deal to help get the Jets through that time. Morgan Moses has signed with the Ravens on a three-year, $15 million deal. So, you know, I'm happy for him. $15 million doesn't seem like enough for a guy that plays as well as he does. That's like $5 million a year. He's probably worth considering his reliability, you know, playing 17 games for the Jets last year, all at a adequate level for a tackle in this league probably should be worth a little bit more than that but he's going to a team that's going to accentuate his talents a good blocking team run the ball and i look forward to seeing him keep playing well he's getting a little bit older too so that's probably why he wasn't a part of the jets long-term plan probably why the jets didn't give him a long-term contract but good for morgan moses he was the freaking signing of the year last year saved the o-line a great one-year player from joe douglas Then we have Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson's going to be gone. He's going back to the Bills where he played the first four years of his career. And I won't miss him. He did have one big play where he intercepted a pass from Joe Burrow that basically sealed the deal in the game. But other than that, he didn't play very well. He had one sack, minimal output, and he played 56% of snaps. Now keep in mind, the Jets only were playing him because Carl Lawson was injured and they weren't going to be able to have him. So right before the season began, they were like, all right, we'll trade a sixth-round pick to the Houston Texans. We'll take Shaq Lawson, and at least we'll be able to put a guy in that's an established veteran. He's kind of a lazy player. I think that he was disinterested the same way that he was in Houston because the team wasn't very good. He started badmouthing the Jets a little bit after the season, was like, I'm going to go back to the Bills in a place that I want to play in. Good, you know, Shaq Lawson's not a very good player, and maybe he'll be inspired now that he's on a good team. Maybe that's what it takes for Shaq Lawson. But if that's the case, you were never elite to begin with, and I'm fine without the guy. Also because the real, better Lawson, the original Lawson, is going to be back next year better than ever, and we won't need a guy like Shaq anymore. And the last one, speaking of the, uh, you know, we traded the sixth-round pick last year to get Shaq Lawson. This year, the Jets somehow, this is that J.D. wizardry we're talking about, where he fleeces teams left and right. Somehow, Joe Douglas traded Blake Cashman, that's right, Blake Cashman, to the Texans for a sixth-round pick in the 2023 draft. Now, no, we're not going to get to use that pick this year, and it's just a sixth-round pick, but it's just one more pick that we can use for ammo to help Joe Douglas move around the draft board or trade away for another player, and it's Blake Cashman. What the heck has Blake Cashman ever done for this team? He's been a backup linebacker at best and a special teamer. At best, he's a backup there and doesn't play very well. He always had kind of some promise to him because he was you know, an energetic, kind of scrappy, little, fast linebacker, but he never played well, and he was always injured. In three seasons with the Jets, he played 14 games. The most he ever played in a season was seven. So Blake Cashman is like a non-factor on the Jets roster. We just traded him for a sixth-round pick, which is basically what we drafted him at. I think we drafted him in the fifth round. So now we're getting a sixth-round pick for him in 2023. And I don't know. It just seems ridiculous from the Texans to do that. But, hey, they're the Texans, and somebody in the AFC has to suck. So that's what the departures are for the Jets. Guys that were, you know, impact players for the Jets last year or guys that we knew were drafted that are no longer on the team. Marcus May, Jamison Crowder, Morgan Moses, Shaq Lawson, and Blake Cashman. Thank you to all those guys who are playing for the Jets. Some of you will be missed, you know, a lot. Marcus May, Jameson Crowder, Morgan Moses. The other guys, hey, you know, you did what you could, and good luck on your next step. Now we got to talk about the guys that the Jets added. We added some nice players. Some were re-signs and some were some new free agents. Some spicy adds to this Jets locker room. But before we do that, I do want to do a quick father time and hear what my dad, David Burnham, has to say about the state of the Jets right now. I gave him open floor. He goes, what do you want me to talk about? The draft? Talk about free agency? I was like, talk about whatever you want. He was like, you know what? I'm a little rushed. Let's just talk an overview of what the heck is going on right now with the New York Jets and how we feel looking towards this next season. I said, say no more, do your thing, and I'll read it. So this is This week's Father Time, written by my dad, David Burnham. Here we go. The Jets are at a crossroad. No more rookie quarterback, no more rookie head coach or offensive coordinator. It's the second year, and J.D. has executed this free agency and teed up this draft masterfully. He created cap space to afford the veterans that we need and piled top picks to bring up our future stars. This is where the rubber hits the road. It's a pivotal time. Without going player by player, I'll say that Douglas has revamped the tight ends, virtually completed the secondary with a hard-hitting safety that can play deep and a true number one corner that's way underrated. The O-line is a player away from being inside the top ten with the run game making big forward strides, and the draft will add an edge rusher, top receiver, a safety and O-line depth, and so much more. I know who I want J.D. to pick and at what positions and all that, but I'm looking forward to the draft like a kid looks forward to Christmas but there are questions that won't be answered this summer. First, can Joe Douglas have an impactful draft with the picks that he has skillfully and pragmatically assembled? Can he actually execute this plan? Will he actually make the right choices? And is Zach Wilson going to make serious strides towards being the playoff game-winning quarterback that a second overall pick is supposed to bring, to dominate the field, be the feature hero of the tabloid back pages, and be the toast in New York? This is the year. 2022 season is going to tell us a lot about how the next six to seven years will pan out, and I expect good things. So mark your calendars for April 28th and celebrate our new players. Go Jets. End scene. Whoa. So, yeah, nice stuff from my dad here. And, you know, he's talking about how the Jets are making good moves. I completely agree that Joe Douglas is handling this masterfully. It's a slow process at times, and I think when you look at some of the teams around the league, what the Browns are doing, what the Colts are doing, what the Broncos are doing, teams trying to get good, fast, and willing to pay the money to try to be a winner now. You know, that's kind of what a lot of new teams are doing. That's what the Bucks did, that's what the Rams did, and it's kind of flashy. But those teams aren't set up for long term success. And the way Joe Douglas is doing this, he's trying to build a perennial playoff team. Like an old school team that's going to be good for 10 years. And teams will go up and down and spend, but the Jets will always be right there. And some years they'll scrap through and win the thing. Other years might be tougher as teams try to compete with them. But he's trying to build the thing the right way, at least at this point in time. And I'm completely with him. He's compiled he's piled up a ton of draft picks, gotten us tons of financial flexibility, and through free agency so far, he's added enough guys that actually the needs going into the draft that all of us, I think, for the past two months were just looking at, like, oh, we have to handle this, we have to get a tight end, we got to fix the O-line. He's handled a lot of those things already to date, just by the first week of free agency. And the contracts are smart. I love what he's doing. And my dad's right. You know, he has to actually execute the plan. We have another draft this year where he did put a lot in. He traded Jamal Adams, traded Sam Darnold, traded some good pieces to make sure that at this point in time, we would have nine picks all in the first five rounds. Two in the first, two in the second, one in the third. I mean, we have so much ammo for this draft, but it only means something if you draft good players. If you have a bunch of Lorenzo Maldens, Quentin Copels, and Vernon Goldston's, your team's going to suck. That's all there is to it. But if you hit hard, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Michael Carter 2, AVT, Okay, now we're talking about really building something. Do that back-to-back two years in a row, which is where we're at right now. That's awesome. That's what we need to see. And the biggest thing of it all, obviously, the big hurdle, Zach Wilson and him taking steps forward. Is he going to take serious strides? He's right. He's got to be a playoff-winning quarterback. That's what a number two overall pick is. That's why we drafted him there. That's what we need to see from him. And we've whiffed out enough of these guys. We've whiffed on Mark Sanchez. Well, Sanchez had whatever, but yeah, in the end, Sanchez not great. Sam Darnold, Geno Smith, Christian Hackenberg, plenty more in between in the later rounds. But this is a number two overall pick in a good quarterback draft, especially if you compare it to like what you're seeing this year. Those guys were, you know, head and shoulders above who we're seeing this year. And we got one last year at pick number two. We gotta, we gotta get this guy there. He's not perfect, but he does have a skill set that is unique and very, very important. The Jets need to find a way to maximize those skill sets and get them in good position. We've got to add players around them. And that brings us to the free agent moves that Joe Douglas has started to make. So thank you, Dad, for that father time. It was awesome. I appreciate it. Good to have you back here in 2022. And before we move on, we have to take a quick commercial break. All righty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life, where we are going to talk about the additions the Jets made this free agency so far. We're going to start with the players that were re-signed by the Jets that were on the team last year. And we're going to start with the biggest one, Braxton Berrios. This is a guy that stole our hearts over the past few years. He gets a two-year, $12 million deal, only $7 million guaranteed. So really, the Jets are paying him $6 million this year. And if they want to cut him next year, they would only lose $1 million. Or they can choose to keep him on the team next year for $6 million. So pretty nice contract there. There were rumors going around that he was looking for $10 million. I think he tried to you know, get the numbers boosted a little bit from his agent. And we were worried that he was going to go to a team like Miami, where he would fit in really nicely and where he played college. It was possible he'd go elsewhere to play slot, or be a punt returner for another team. Maybe he'd want to go who knows where. But in the end, we find out that he wanted to be a New York Jet the entire time. This was the place for him. He wasn't chasing money. He wasn't chasing uh, you know, a big stack of cash like most of these guys are. He's happy here. He wants to be a part of this team. He's he's ingrained himself in this franchise and he's kind of the heart and soul of so much of what we do. I mean, when you look back last year at the guys, especially down the stretch, I look at that Buccaneers game where he really put the team on his back, scoring touchdowns, running the ball, doing everything that he possibly could. You know, he's the guy that when you need 10 yards, he gets 10 yards, not nine. He's the guy that when you need to stretch to the end zone, he gets the touchdown. He comes down with the big catch, even when he gets rocked with a big hit. He shows up play after play. He's the Fastest, biggest, tallest, strongest guy? No, absolutely not. But he plays really, really hard. And that's the type of guy that you need to reward, especially if you're trying to build this big culture we talk about. Joe Douglas building the best culture in sports. You know, you got to kind of take care of the guys that take care of you. And Braxton Barriers, on top of all that receiving stuff that he did, which was only, you know, 400 yards and like five touchdowns last year, he also was an all-pro return man. Great in the kick return game, one of the best. Great in the punt return game, one of the best. Year after year. And... He's getting $6 million to play, potentially slot receiver for the Jets, as well as returner. This is a great signing for Joe Douglas. Great to see a guy like him come back. And I wouldn't be surprised if I am wearing a number 10 jersey on a lot of Sundays this upcoming season. Now we're going to talk about Tevin Coleman, who is also coming back. This is not as flashy a signing as the Braxton Berrios because Tevin Coleman didn't have a great season. He was over 4 yards a carry on his rushes, but only 44 carries, 356 yards, I think he was good, not great. He was one of those, you know, third running backs, number two running backs that, yeah, it really runs through Michael Carter. That's our guy right now. We absolutely need to add one more guy. I don't think that it should be Tevin Coleman as the number two back. I don't think it should be Ty Johnson or Austin Walter. There's a couple of guys in the draft that I'm really looking at. As free agency's kind of not a ton of guys available there in free agency that you'd want to bring in the running back room. But I think just like last year where they got Carter in the fourth round, if they can get a nice guy in the third, fourth round, there's even one I'd take in the second round, I think that would be awesome, and you could pair him with Michael Carter, have this great running attack that could run through this offensive line. It all could start working out exactly the way that, you know, the 49ers wanted to run it, the same way that Robert Sala and Michael Flor want to run it. It could all kind of align the stars there. But Tevin Coleman is going to be another piece that we have. He's going to be that third running back potentially, and, uh, you know, just a little bit more depth there. Also a guy who's played in this system with the 49ers, now with the Jets that knows the system, knows the scheme, has a lot of wisdom as a veteran player. Nick Bauden is back, a one-year deal. He played special teams, a little bit of offense last year. He was a fullback that honestly, <laughs> I think we remember him the most because we played Trevon Wesco like, way too much at fullback because we were just trying to make it work. Trevon Wesco's not a good player. Nick Bauden was very, you know, we had open arms saying, like, oh, new fullback, I'd love to try this guy. He had a nice catch at one point in the season. A couple nice blocks here and there. Did play like 50-plus snaps. We'll see if he makes the roster as the fullback. I think at this point in time with him and Wesco, Baden is the clear favorite to be the fullback for the team. But maybe they'll find another guy or just use the tight ends that they have to play that position. The next guy the Jets re-signed, LaMarcus Joyner. He was going to compete for starting safety with the Jets last year. It was going to be Marcus May starting Next to LaMarcus Joyner, you're going to have Ashton Davis kind of filling in the gaps of the number three safety. Nine plays into the season. LaMarcus Joyner tears his triceps, and he's out for the year. So now you're playing in Ashton Davis. you got Marcus May, who tears his Achilles. You're throwing in guys like Will Parks, Elijah Riley, Redwine. All sorts of different guys trying safety for the Jets. Not really working out, and they'd elect to bring LaMarcus Joyner back on another one-year deal. He's going to be 31 years old. Actually, he's going to be 32 years old this year. But he's been a good NFL player. I think his name kind of fizzled away from everyone's minds because he played for the Raiders, they moved him to slot, and that was out of position for him. He really should be playing safety, in my opinion, where he was always the best. I remember him a long time ago playing great safety for the Rams, saying, wow, I wish we could get this guy. I wanted him before the Raiders signed him, thought that he'd be a great safety addition for the Jets. Last year I was excited because, you know what, getting him back into his natural position, even though he's getting older, would be nice to have back there instead of like a young, wet behind the ears, Ashton Davis, etc., But he never got to play. They're bringing him back this year, and I'm not positive he's going to make the final roster, but I think he adds the depth that we need. And if he can get back and play healthy in training camp, he can help be a coach, a teacher out there. He's been with the team for a year now, even though he wasn't playing. And if he can get back up to form, he could be a serviceable, good safety, better than some of the guys we saw last year, perhaps. I think it's important to note that with all these players, especially the ones I'm about to list, these contracts are not guaranteed. You guys are not getting guaranteed money to play for the Jets in the most part. So if you want to cut them in training camp, that's perfectly fine. The Jets will be cutting about 40 players who are signed to contracts with them when the season begins. So just because you hear a guy, oh, he's under contract, doesn't mean he's going to get an actual contract to play with the team for the season. Unless he has guaranteed money, You know that guy is absolutely cuttable. So Will Parks, a defensive back who's going to be a training camp battle guy this year, he finished strong last year. Just 27 years old, he was one of the guys that filled in at defensive back when we were getting a bunch of injuries, and he did actually play really well. Pro Football Focus rated him very high for the past three weeks. But he's just a young player, kind of a you know a journeyman, and we'll see whether or not he plays well in training camp. If he keeps it up, it's possible he's got a chance to make the roster. Connor McDermott, he signed a one-year deal. Tackle depth, right? He was like our number five offensive tackle going into the year last year. A couple injuries got him moved up, ended up playing some tackle, And played a little tight end, caught a touchdown. So we'll see. This is his fourth year with the Jets. We'll see if he can, uh, you know, crack the final roster again and be one of those depth players for us. Nathan Shepard. This is one that, you know, at the time when I heard they're re-signing Nathan Shepard, the first thought is like, oh, my God, what are you doing? But then when you think about the fact that, like, yeah, you absolutely can cut him because it's not guaranteed money. And it's nice to have a guy that knows the system, has been in there, kind of knows what to do. And just in case you whiff in the draft, Maybe you can't find anybody somebody gets injured before the season begins. At least you got a guy who kind of knows what to do. You can plug him in. I, I'm not going to he doesn't know what to do like from a high level, but he knows the system and what the team is trying to do. He just technically can't really execute it very well. 42% of snaps last year, 0 sacks, 0 tackles for a loss, and a whole bunch of bad penalties. He is a rotational training camp body that ideally we'll be moving on from, but to do that, we have to find a better defensive tackle. We gotta sign somebody. We gotta replace Foley Fatakasi, who I failed to mention is a guy who was signed to another team. Foley Fatakasi got a three-year, $30 million contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars. UConn alum, team captain for the Jets, a guy that I absolutely love. And Foley's gone. And we got to fill that void because he was a great run stopper, not a great pass rusher, not a great fit for this Jets defensive front scheme, but absolutely deserved a big contract. Got that from the Jaguars who are paying everybody big money this year. And, uh, yeah, so Nathan Shepard is one of the guys that moves up a spot right now. We do need to fill defensive tackle with somebody else, though. The Jets made a move on two quarterbacks, same guys as last year. Joe Flacco, a one-year, $3.5 million deal. And they gave uh, Mike White the tender, the restricted free agent tender, $2.6 million, which he just signed like 20 minutes ago as I was recording this podcast. So Mike White, essentially a team can give Mike White a contract, and the Jets will have the ability to match that contract if they want to. Say a team's like, we want Mike White for $8 million, and the Jets say, you know what, we're going to pay Mike White $8 million. Then he comes to us. If we decide not to take him, if, for example, a team says we're going to pay him $8 million, and we go, okay, then we get a draft pick from them where he was drafted originally, which I think was probably like the sixth or seventh round. So that's what a tender is. Anyway, he just signed a restricted free agent. He probably will be playing for the Jets this year at a $2.6 million cap hit on a one-year deal. Eddie Pinero, he was also tendered at $2.4 million. I can't imagine anybody's going to jump at that number. So he's probably going to be playing for us on a one-year $2.4 million deal as long as he signs that tender. And that's okay with us because we've had really, really bad kickers, and he was 8 for 8 last year with a long of 51 and 90% on extra points. So it was, yeah, it was a nice, welcome sight to see a guy actually making kicks. Eddie Panero, he's welcome back, though he does have a short leash because we've been burned by kickers in the past. And until we find a guy who actually rocks it for an entire season, a guy that we can trust that for whatever reason has like a big name from, you know, college or a big name in the NFL that we pick up, not a lot of trust here. And then Dan Feeney, he was re-signed to a one-year deal. Currently, the way it sits right now with Greg Van Roten on there, Dan Feeney's looking like offensive guard, backup. You know, he's probably the number three or four guard on the roster and currently the number two center on the roster behind Connor McGovern. So Dan Feeney, unless we bring in more guys in the draft or free agency, he will be there as a kind of bench guy, rotational piece that you can use on the interior offensive line. Not a great player. You hope he never plays. But you do want to have a guy that's not absolute dog water, and he's not absolute dog water. So that are the guys that we re-signed, guys that were on the Jets last year that are coming back to the Jets this year, at least through training camp and all that jazz. Now, the big moves the Jets made, big ones for free agent signings, that weren't with us. New contracts given up by Joe Douglas. Big old money thrown around. Some nice players. Great pieces. Build some holes. And we're going to talk about all of that. But before we do, we got to take a quick pit stop at a cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right. This is what's on tap. And it's spring here. It's March 22nd. I think the first day of spring was actually yesterday. So it's time to do a little bit of spring cleaning. And what that means is going through the back of the fridge where it's like... I've had these beers for a very long time, and I'm getting to the point where I'm going to have to throw them out unless I drink them, so I found a Ho Ho Hope for the Kids India Pale Ale Christmas beer that I got to bring to Grammys at Christmas, and it's got a nice little seasonal sweater, sort of can, made by Counterweight. Honestly, I may have reviewed this beer last year. I don't remember. I can't for the life of me remember what beers I did towards the end of last season, It was all kind of a blur as the Jets were going downhill, drinking more for the games, getting more upset, you know, season coming to an end. And in reality, even if I did do it, it probably tastes different since it's like three, four months old. But it's good. It's an India Pale Ale by counterweight, 16 fluid ounces. This thing is 6.4% alcohol. I imagine you would not find this beer right now because it's a winter edition. Probably going more towards the summer stuff. And uh, that's fine. Maybe it'll come back next year. Maybe it was a limited edition. It is smooth. It's what you expect from Counterweight, which is becoming one of my favorite breweries in Connecticut. They just, they're consistent. They make good stuff every time. It's never too expensive. I just think they get it. You know, some breweries are trying all this stuff. Counterweight gets it. Ho, ho, hope for the kids. A good beer. This is the last one of those I had in the fridge, so we are, you know, we're drinking, which is not great. It's a Tuesday, and coming back, drinking an IPA at like 4.30 in the afternoon. Not what you want to do all the time. But also cleaning, kind of something you do want to do a lot of, and that's what I'm doing right now. So feeling really good about that. That is today's What's On Tap. Now before we get to the meat and potatoes of this episode, all that good jazz we want to talk about, the big signings, we do have to take a quick commercial break. righty, and welcome back to This Is The Jet Life. got my notes ready to go through each player the Jets have signed through free agency thus far that were not on the roster last year. Starting with the first player, Lakin Tomlinson, offensive guard, played for the 49ers, was drafted in the first round by the Lions years back. This guy was given a three-year, $41.2 million deal with $27 million guaranteed. So we're going to have him for two years no matter what, but that's okay because he was a pro bowler last year for the 49ers, playing in the exact same scheme that the Jets are going to run here, and he played a lot of left guard for them. Technically, Elijah Vera Tucker was our left guard, and you'd think that one of them has to move to the right side. Joe Douglas hasn't done a ton of moving players. We always talk about how McGovern could play, you know, guard or center, but he never really moves. We always talk about how Greg Van Roten could play either side. We talk about how Mekhi Becton could potentially move. The only guy that really swings is like Chuma Adoga and George Fant. Other than that, guys kind of lock in where they are. Um, But we'll see if Elijah Vera Tucker is the guy that's moved or if it's Lakin Tomlinson. Either way, I think they felt better grabbing a guy like Lakin Tomlinson there like Listen, he knows the scheme. We'd rather get a guy that we know makes sense in this offense that we're running scheme-wise than a guy that played the right guard position that we're not sure can play this scheme. I think they feel better transitioning one of the two to the right guard spot. Now, and Tomlinson, he came on slow. You know, he wasn't great with the lines when they drafted him, but he's gotten better and better. And in reality, in the seven-year career he's had, he's never missed a game due to injury. This is a guy that's reliable. Played great. If you look at the PFF numbers, which I don't use PFF for a lot of stuff because I don't really trust it, you know, if you look, they say Quincy Mo- <laughs> Quincy Williams and C.J. Mosley were horrible last year. Which yes, they weren't great in coverage. They didn't fill their gaps perfectly every single play, but they played much better linebacker than the guys that could have been playing in their place. They were way more impactful than a Gerard Davis or a Blake Cashman or Darren Lee or anything. You're going to tell me they had horrible seasons? That just simply isn't true. So sometimes those metrics aren't great. But when you look at an offensive lineman, it's very hard to find film or numbers or stats or anything on a guy. So how do you figure out, like, all right, we signed this guy. How do we know if he's good? Well, PFF actually goes through and watches every single play, and they give each play that the guy does a grade, a run blocking grade or a pass blocking grade, depending on what type of play it is, every single play. And they average him out and give him a number. So it's kind of cool for that respect because you can kind of see if a guy gets burned a lot, if he's good, if he holds his blocks, which area he's better in. Lincoln Thompson is a great run blocker, pretty good in pass protection, and had an awesome PFF grade of 76, which doesn't seem high because in school it would be bad, but in PFF it's good. 76, great score for him, coming off a Pro Bowl season, and this was the weakest part of our offensive line last year, I think, if you look through it, even though Makai Beckton was injured, they actually played pretty well at tackle with Fant and Moses. Now you got Beckton coming back. I feel good about McGovern. You got Elijah Tucker at one guard, and now you got Lakin Tomlinson, a last-year Pro Bowler, going in at the other side on a three-year deal. It's going to sure that thing up. When you look at it, the way it's set up now with Dan Feeney as a backup, Greg Van Roten as a backup, all you really need is a better tackle backup because you don't want to play Adoga or McDermott for many snaps if Beckton goes down, which is entirely possible. Fant could also go down. You don't want to be totally hamstrung when your guys at tackle go down and be playing on an Adoga and McDermott, so I think they have to bring in one more tackle. Maybe in the draft, maybe at pick number 4 or 10, it's possible. I think it is an important position, and uh, other than that, the offensive line's almost set when you look at it. Yeah, they could improve the center, I guess, if they want to move on from McGovern, but George Fant's moving next year. Still, you feel really good about where they're at. You knew that Joe Douglas was always going to prioritize the trenches, always was going to love offensive line, and he's done nothing but show love to the offensive line. Drafted Makai Beckton 11th overall. Trading up for Elijah Vera Tucker giving this big contract, $41 million, to Lake and Tomlinson. He's investing, and it's going well. The next big one that the Jets signed, CJ Uzama. What? The Jets brought in a tight end? Heck yes, they did. Three years, $24 million, with $15 million guaranteed. That basically means he's on the con- under contract for two seasons. If they want to keep him for a third season at an $8 million cap hit, they can do so. CJ Uzama has been in the league for a while, He's a veteran player, gonna be 29 years old this year. He's six foot six, two hundred and sixty-five pounds. This guy is a behemoth of a man, a big tight end. But the biggest thing about him is he's a veteran presence and a great leader, hype man in the locker room. You can find clips of him in the playoffs all throughout the season, his time in Cincinnati, hyping people up, positive. He's in your corner. He wants to be there, he wants to win, he wants to make the people around him better. You heard it in his interview when he signed on with the Jets. You can see it everywhere. This guy is a great, great locker room fit, and he's a pretty solid tight end. He's been in the league for a while. He never had huge numbers, but his best year was last year. He got on a roll with Joe Burrow. He got 493 yards and five touchdowns on 49 receptions last year. And then the hottest part of his entire season was a little playoff run where he had 15 catches and 146 yards with a touchdown in four games in the playoffs. So when you look at C.J. Ozama, a 6 foot 6 tight end who's going to be replacing, you know, a Daniel Brown, a Tyler Croft, or a Ryan Griffin. The only guy that even comes close to being comparable is Tyler Croft in that group, and Uzama's better. Uzama's bigger, he's better at blocking probably, he's a better veteran, better locker room fit, and he's a really nice addition to this team. It was a position that we didn't have cuz Tyler Croft's a free agent, he's moving on. CJ Uzama, welcome to the New York Jets. Then the Jets decide to sign another tight end. Three-year, $21 million deal for Tyler Conklin, who is another big guy. He's six foot three. He's going to be turning 27 this year, and he's also coming off his best season. So both of these tight ends are ascending, getting better and more comfortable. Tyler Conklin this year, when you look at the numbers, you know, keep in mind these are tight end numbers, not receiver numbers. He had 61 receptions for 593 yards and three touchdowns. On those 61 receptions, He was only credited with one drop. He's getting better at blocking, and he's going to be a really, really nice addition to this tight end room. You're moving on from a Ryan Griffin and Tyler Croft to a Tyler Conklin and a CJ Uzoma. Two bigger, better players ascending. Good locker room guys, ready to block. And when you look at it, you got two tight ends, right? So if somebody goes down or gets injured, you don't have... Daniel Brown playing tight end. You don't have an undrafted free agent or something and Kenny Yeboa playing tight end. You've got another guy there. But also they have the ability to run two tight end sets. Last season the Jets ran two tight end sets 20% of the time. I expect that to be closer to 25 or 30% of the time this year as C.J. Uzama and Tyler Conklin are guys that you want to get on the field if they're both healthy. And from there, even C.J. Uzoma, he played some fullback last year for the Bengals. It is totally possible that they decide to run him at fullback on you know the handful of fullback plays they want to run in a game. Instead of keeping a Nick Bauden, giving them versatility and another way to get both guys on the field with a Conklin and a C.J. Uzama. Joe Douglas and this coaching staff love versatility. You've noticed a lot of the guys that they sign, a lot of guys that they draft, they have positional flexibility. They're hybrid, fluid, and the coaches can do what they want with them. These guys, I mean, you got two tight ends now, you still have the ability to have like a. Kenny Yeboah or a Trevon Wesco or a Daniel Brown, if you really want to. But you got your two starters there, and you feel really good. This is the best the tight end room has been in years, years and years. And when you think about it, it's very funny because Tyler Conklin is coming over from the Minnesota Vikings, right? The Jets traded Chris Herndon to the Vikings for a fourth-round pick last year. Then Chris Herndon sucked. They didn't play him. They played Tyler Conklin. He had a great year, and then we signed Conklin away from them. It's actually pretty hilarious that they got Chris Herndon and we got their good tight end and a fourth pick. So, very happy with the Tyler Conklin signing and the C.J. Uzama signing. I think either one of them independently would have been exciting. It would have been like, oh, cool, we got C.J. Uzama finally a good tight end, or we got Tyler Conklin good. When you look at getting both players, it's like, Joe Douglas didn't just make this room better. He made it a strength. One of the better tight end groups in the league now, I would imagine, just based off these players' abilities, We got two of the guys, and what was a huge need for this team, and everybody mock-drafting tight ends, myself included, doing a ton of scouting on the tight ends in the offseason trying to figure out, like, who the hell is going to play for us. It's no longer a need at all. These guys are freaking awesome. So, very excited there. Then you look at the defensive backfield where the Jets made two other plays there. My dad mentioned them. He said the hard-hitting safety that they signed, that'd be one Jordan Whitehead who just turned 25 years old and only signed a two-year, $14.5 million deal. $7 $7 million is guaranteed, which means that they don't have to bring him back next year if they don't like it, a $7 million contract. But in reality, this guy is a young, ascending player who played very, very well for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, won a Super Bowl, was good as a rookie, was good as a second year. Every single year he's been in the league, he's been a good player. He's very, very good in the box, hard-hitting, good at tackling the running backs and pursue quarterbacks as well on read option plays, but he also can play some zone coverage and is better in coverage than you'd think for like a box type of guy. So this guy, just turning 25 years old, also ascending, on a cheap deal like this, and he said in his interviews, you know, this is where he wanted to be. He wanted to be playing with the New York Jets. It's the perfect fit for him with these coaches. And you're like, hell yeah, dude. He's probably an improvement over Marcus May and what we were getting post-injuries and whatnot from him. And, you know, also the fact that Marcus May wasn't even available. He's definitely better than an Ashton Davis. And our safety group, you know, it's still missing a guy on the other side of him. But it just got much better getting him in there, a young guy who potentially can get another contract from the Jets and be playing here for years. The other guy they brought in was D.J. Reed. This guy's going to be potentially our number one cornerback, three-year, $33 million deal with $10.5 million guaranteed. Essentially, it's a one-year, $11 million deal. They don't want to bring him back next year at an $11 million cap hit. They don't have to. They'll lose nothing. If they do and they like what they see, they can choose to pay him $11 million. It's a team option for two more years, $11 million each year, if they want to keep him. So we'll see what he does. But when you look at his year last year with the Seattle Seahawks, he was very, very good. When you look at his size, five foot 9 doesn't jump off the page. He's not super fast when you see his 40 time. He's not the most athletic guy in the world. But he catches the ball when it gets thrown to him, comes down with interceptions, Tackles decently well. He plays good zone coverage. He was very good and reliable for the Seahawks on the field and available. And he's a great hype man. I watched a nine-minute video of him mic'd up with the Seahawks. It was uh must have been last year, I think, because Jamal Adams was on the team. You can find it on YouTube. For nine minutes, he's just like in everybody's corner hyping them up. Let's go, team. Come on, boys. He wasn't obnoxious. He was just loud and vocal, wanted the best for him, wanted the best for his teammates. I think that's a good type of guy to bring into this team. And we're going to see a lot from DJ Reed. Getting paid $11 million, he's going to get ample opportunity to work and earn his way towards the second half of that contract. And this is definitely an improvement. Again, like last year you were looking at that group saying, like, they're going to be running Brandon Echols, Isaiah Dunn. It was going to be Bryce Hall and Michael Carter and Javelin Guidry. It was like, who the heck are these cornerbacks and what are they doing? Those guys were all rookies at that point in time. Now we know Bryce Hall's a, a pretty darn good player. Brandon Echols is absolutely ascending. Then you bring in a DJ Reed who's a young player as well. DJ Reed only 26 years old this year, right? Like there's a bunch of good stuff that's going around with this team. You're improving your offensive line, your tight end group, your secondary, you got your safeties and your cornerbacks all getting better. This is all pre-draft where the jets have loaded up on draft picks, like great draft picks. And we're not even done yet because they signed another player in Jacob Martin. And Jacob Martin was a guy that was with the Texans He's turning 27 years old this year. He's an outside linebacker, defensive end kind of hybrid. He's probably going to play on the end of that defensive line, be like a Frankie Louvu type, but in that 4-3 defense, he's probably going to move down into that, like, pass rusher role, depending on where he can fit in, maybe move back into outside linebacker if they feel like he can do some coverage. I don't know a ton about him. He was, like, the first guy that we signed that I was like, who? Jacob Martin? But the name was familiar, and I was like, I kind of remember this guy. And I looked back at his highlights, and I was like, oh, yeah, he was the guy that sacked... Zach Wilson will be played against them. He had a nice pass rush move, and he's got speed. He's got some wheels. He's got some good pursuit, kind of like that of a Frankie Louvre or what you would have hoped you'd get from a Lorenzo Malden or something back in the day. It's a three-year, $13.5 million deal with only $6 million guaranteed, so it's not a huge deal for an edge rusher. And the guy's had at least three sacks in all the four seasons he's been in the league. So when you look at it and you're like, all right, we know the defensive line is a weakness. We know we need pass rushers. We know it wasn't great last year. This guy is absolutely an improvement over a Ronnie Blair, over a Tim Ward. He's probably going to be a better player or as good as a Bryce Huff. When you look at the deal that he got, just having another guy in that rotation that you can bring in, just in case somebody gets injured or you can't find somebody in the draft of the rest of free agency, I think it's a good deal. Again, a young, ascending player. This is crazy the way Joe Douglas has made this work. How he still finds a way to have cap space and draft picks, while acquiring young, ascending players on good deals where the team doesn't have a ton of like commitment to the player. It's a lot of team options. On a team that wins four or five games and isn't even a real you know, favorable destination for a lot of players, they're like, why would I want to play for the Jets? The media is horrible. Everybody always gives players there a hard time, and the Jets don't win games. So why would people want to be coming here on these deals, on these team-friendly deals, young, ascending players? Because they see what's happening, and they see the way the Jets are building the culture. And I think we're seeing that culture, best culture in sports being built with the Jets right now. That's why guys want to come here. You hear every single guy in the interview and they're like, yeah, culture was a big part of it. They keep signing team captains from college and bringing in good guys. And when you think about it, I would want to play here too. Because if you have a job and you love it every single day and somebody says, hey, I can give you a job that you're going to hate and I'm going to pay you $10,000 more. Are you going to take it? Are you like, I think I'd rather just be here, man. At a certain point, Money's not worth it if you don't like the people that you're around and you don't like going to work every day. And some franchises are better at putting that sort of culture together than others. And the Jets usually weren't really good at that sort of thing. It was more of just like a come to the big New York market where you can be flashy and work on your clothing line and do movies and be big star. That was kind of like the big selling factor before. I don't think that's the case anymore. Now it's like join something good. Help us grow this the right way. And King Green Nation's going to take flight. I love the way he's doing it. I love the signings. I don't think anybody on this list was overpaid. I think when I look at D.J. Reed, some people are huge fans of him. I'm a little bit worried about his speed and size. But when you talk about that $33 million deal with only $11 million of that being guaranteed, it's a one-year deal for him. And if he's good, he's going to play into that second half. So I'm okay with that. Everything else, the Braxton Barrios was a steal to me. When you look at the Jordan Whitehead, that's an absolute steal to me. Then you bring in a guy like Jacob Martin and two tight ends with C.J. Uzama and Tyler Conklin. What's not to be excited about? There's still time in free agency. I've got an estimated looking on. Uh, by the way, I use Spot Track, is the website that I use for a lot of my information, and then I use Roto World and Twitter to get the updates on who people are signing. But Spot Track has everything on like contracts, what guys are guaranteed, what free agents are still out there. So I highly recommend that if you're looking for information on those things. I was looking on uh, one of the sites said the Jets have about like 8.6 million dollars available right now, so they still can make some moves, and there's some players they can cut. They could cut. Greg Van Roten and save $3 million right now. They could cut Ryan Griffin and save some money right now. There's other moves that they can make if they need to clear up cap space. So don't think that it's necessarily over for them. They did kind of like the way that they spread the deals out and gave some signing bonuses and whatnot. They gave themselves more wiggle room to add another big piece if the right guy falls to them or if they want to make a trade. But then we got the draft coming up, and that's the big one. My dad said it in his father time. You watch out for April 28th because... Pick number four, pick number 10, pick 35, 39. Whew, this is going to be an electric draft. And if Joe Douglas hits, this is going to be what we point back to. We're going to point back to last year's draft class. We're going to point back to this year's draft class and say, bang, that's where it happened. That's where the whole team totally changed its identity and went from like being this rebuilt, rebuilding team to a rebuilt team. And my dad's right. It's going to tell us everything we need to know by seeing this draft on the field and seeing Zach Wilson and his growth it's going to tell us a lot about the next six to seven years of being a Jets fan. Are we going to have to rebuild again? Are we going to have to buy franchise quarterbacks? Are we going to have to you know, purge these contracts and find new guys? Are we going to be hard to get people here? Are we going to be firing people, coaches, GMs? There's a lot on the table. <laughs> There's a lot on the line. But when you look at it, it's being built the right way. It's hard to argue with any of the moves that he's made so far. And you got to feel good, at least in March. you got to feel good. A couple guys that are still available on signs that were Jets last year technically could still get back if we wanted. Gerard Davis, pass. Keelan Cole, I think that he would be a good guy. I don't think I want him starting. I know I don't want him starting. I'd like to bring another guy in um, in the draft for sure. But Keelan Cole, a good outside receiver who didn't have a great season for the Jets last year, but he'd be better than having like a DJ Montgomery or big play Vincent Smith or Jeff Smith or something like that. So Keelan Cole, keep your eyes on him if they can get – Lauren Duvernay-Tardif for a team-friendly deal. Right now they got Greg Van Roten and Feeney. Van Roten's getting paid like $3.5 million this year, so unless they can get LDT for less than that, I think I'd probably rather just save the money and keep Greg Van Roten there, because I don't think that it's a big difference between the two in talent. And then Tyler Croft is still a free agent. At this point, I don't see the Jets making a play for him as they already have two good tight ends and a young, undrafted free agent, Kenny Yeboah, the ability to have a Daniel Brown or a Trevon Wesco if they want them as well, and an entire draft. So... I wouldn't see them making a play for him. But really, the next step here is just going to be looking at the draft. I watch a ton of tape on these guys. I watch tape, highlights, videos, interviews. For everybody that I really like and stand behind for the Jets to draft, I always try to find an interview because I think that when you're looking at guys that make sense for the Jets, aside from a few of them, almost every single one checks that box like, wow, oh, this guy sounds like a leader. He sounds like a guy who's ready to go to work, be professional every day. And that's what Joe Douglas is looking at. So when you hear him in an interview, if the guy sounds like a, you know, a brick talking to a wall, then you probably don't want to sign that guy. He's probably not going to be a good fit for the Jets. But if you hear him and he's talking about culture and playing well and being a leader, then you're like, all right, this guy makes sense for us. So that's always important to me. I'll keep looking at these things, running my own mock drafts, talking with my dad about it, reading up on Twitter, reading articles, and then be back to you. Before the draft, on April 28th, I'll try to do something, at least a quick like 30-minute preview or something of the draft and some targets that I have going in talk about that stuff, and then uh, we'll do a draft review after it's over to see who we got, how the team's being built. and Then we look towards training camp. So I know that the season just ended, and in a way it feels like it was so long ago since we were watching the Jets. In other sense, it was like two months ago that we were watching them, and it's like, that's oh, kind of crazy too. Uh, but when it comes down to it, the season's flying through right now. We got one month until the draft, then it's training camp, and there really is, like, there's an off-season when you're not playing football, but there's really no, like, three-month gap where just nothing happens in the NFL. They've done a really good job at keeping the fans engaged all year round, Or still it's March, season doesn't begin until September, and people are obsessed with what's going on. If you go on ESPN, you go on online, on you know, the headlines all over, football this, football that, who's getting signed, who's coming back, what trades, because... There's just always something going on. It's going to stay that way, we're going to follow it. So I appreciate everybody tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. And until next time, for the Jets draft preview, I'm Dan Burnham, and this is the Jet Life.